Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more Peggy-O's? Hey everybody, how's it going out there? Wherever in the world you're listening, Shane Terrio here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. If you listened to the last episode, I just asked you to resubscribe. Basically, we we um, experienced some growing pains over here at the riffraff with our server. We outgrew it, so I just needed you to unsubscribe and resubscribe. You know, whether wherever you listen to Riff Raff, if it's Podbase, Stitcher, iTunes, what have you. But chances are, if you hear me now, we're in good shape and you've already done this, which I appreciate. Also appreciate your kind comments, your likes on iTunes. If you haven't done that, please do it. it helps the podcast. And I really appreciate you buying my music um, and also reaching out about clinics. I've gotten quite a few things about that so we'll see if some of that stuff can happen you're listening to a little jam with kirk covington from tribal tech that we did a few years ago called burbank two-step people always ask about the intro music so anyway let's get to today's special guest My guest today is Mr. Dave Malone. For the past 30 plus years, Dave has been 
one of the guitarists, songwriters, and singers in the legendary New Orleans band, The Radiators, also known as The Rads. The Radiators have long secured their position as the quintessential New Orleans party band. I mean, they're more than just a party band, but they're definitely the top party band. If you went to school down here, maybe at Tulane or, or whatever, I mean, you know, they were sort of... A lot of people have heard of the Radiators from that that time of their life. And uh, Dave's a great singer, a great songwriter. He's a pretty uh, serious guitar collector, as you'll hear. So we talk about all kinds of things, uh, where the term fishhead came from. It's their term, fishhead music for Radiator Speak. Uh, a lot of uh, now defunct clubs where they got their start. How the drummer chopped up tables with a chainsaw. Just, uh, you know, normal stuff. And Dave's brother, a little footnote, Dave's brother Tommy Malone was a guest on my podcast. He's a, another great singer-guitar player from here. And there's uh, something in the DNA of the Malone brothers, besides the zaniness and the goofiness, which I completely indulge in. We have a good time here. The talent as well. So I think you'll enjoy this. So Dave comes over on a, a beautiful fall night and um, in New Orleans and comes up to my studio. I hand him one of my guitars. I think it's an old Gibson. And we just let the tape roll. Hope you enjoy. You're listening to WWXYTZL49-2. 126,000 on your radio dial. What side of the river is that on? Oh, on the West Bank, bro. That goes bank. on the West Bank. The bank yeah. yeah, West Bank. They they say K the K if there's a K in a in a uh, radio station ID that means it was west of the Mississippi, right? That's what it was. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, damn! I learned something from you, buddy. So the, the one you, the call letter you just called, I'm on both sides. I'm, I'm straddling. That was, a, that the was in Mexico somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a bridge, basically. On a bridge. <laughs> I love this, bro. Thank you, man. You know, not many people have been up here. Well, that's why you were reluctant for me to come. Yeah, I had to, I did a screening test. You yeah. know, un- unbeknownst a tox to report too. Yeah, I did. You know, this is we're running. This is the podcast. We started. Oh, so, fuck y'all. <laughs> all right. Uh, you want to play something first, man? Or you, wanna, you want? Let's play, so let's play a little something. Get loose. All right. You got to tune. That's some man tuners there. I like it. It, it gives you that definite feeling. <laughs> man, I like those boots. Those are almost they're a little uh, camouflage strip on there. Yeah, they, they're rubber. They're almost pseudo. They're much more fashionable, but they're sort of shrimp boot, boots. The kind, uh, well, if I had white shrimp boots, I was going to wear them <laughs> for the podcast. Okay, where's the on-off, bro? You don't worry about it. It'll shut off. Oh, will it? We can afford, I can afford the battery for it. Ah. it it'll, it'll, you got plenty, plenty, plenty? I got plenty battery. What you want to play? <laughs> we ought to do this. So that's a talk on my little cutting cane. Playing some of them, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> you want right, to try it? I'll try it. Sure. <laughs> so it goes up to, to D after. Okay. It's just like a, like a B section. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Nice, Dave. What do you call that tune? Cutting cane. Cutting cane. You wow. know what I was inspired by? Did you ever hear the album? You know Merle Haggard's band, yeah. The Strangers. Yeah, the Strangers. Roy Nichols on guitar. Yeah, sure. Norm Hamlet on steel. Norm, I think that's right. But they put out uh, an album of just them doing like country jazz swing. Okay. And they have a song called uh, Steel and Corn, which goes. In harmony. It's crazy. Cool. Wow. So that was the, the Bakersfield thing, right? Yeah. So Speedy, check that out. Speedy Brian. Steel and Corn by The Strangers. Okay. Strange. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> But look, man, let me talk to people a little bit for a sec. Okay. Hey, yeah. So, Dave Malone, my friend Dave, so kind to come over on this uh, fall night. New How many steps I went up, Shane? A lot. We're in an undisclosed location, <laughs> my secret lair. It's so undisclosed, I don't even it, know it, where Nobody knows I where. Am. Yeah, not many people. This is my bat cave up here. I love it. Down here, up here, over here, who, who knows, right? But yep. it's cool, right? It's cool. Very, very. I love uh, it. I'm a actually, you actually a lot of people because I'll get you to sign my door and you'll see all the people that have okay. been up here. Well, but, I'm gonna be up here a lot even when you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave is, you know, man. We've uh, let's see, how did we first meet? I don't remember. I used to see you around, but you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, Dave is radiators and and uh, who you out with now? You're, you're doing gotta, things I, with the. Uh, Named my current outfit Raw Oyster Cult Raw as a joke, <laughs> and it stuck. Oh, God. <laughs> it's hard to say. Say man. it. Raw, raw Oyster <laughs> Cult. It is. It's the rrr. It's a, a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, but I was but thank you for, for, uh, for, you know, I asked you about this last year. We played together with Harry Shearer for yep. his Spinal Tap, Derek Smalls, and, and Dave came out and kicked ass on Big Bottom and... Uh, what else did you see? Uh, a couple of Spinal Tap classics. Heavy metal. Heavy 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 duty. Heavy duty. Yeah. Heavy metal. Uh, and one it's all heavy metal. It's all heavy metal. Yeah. You sang Big Bottom because the end I got to go. And <laughs> <laughs> the Nidal Tufnel nervous vibrato. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I was holding a bass that wasn't plugged in. Oh, we all got to play Big Bottom on bass. That's true. But anyway. Uh, Man, thank you for coming over. I've been wanting to, so basically since last year already. Yeah, we talked about doing this, but you know, I'm glad. I'm glad we could do it, man. Um, <clears throat> going back to when we met, it was probably before you were with the Nevels, even I guess. I don't know, but you know, I, I know a little bit about you and Tommy. Well, I know a lot about you and Tommy, and, and you guys are from Edgar, Louisiana. That's which, it, that's baby. a definitely undisclosed location. Yeah, one road in, one yeah, road out. I don't. I've never been there, but it's near. Luling, is that right? No, it's between Vashry and Hornville on the okay, West okay. Bank. But it's, it's close to all that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because Tommy Luling is across from. Well, I can't remember. Because Johnny Allen, rest his soul, he used to hang out with my cousins in Luling, and oh, for and real? Tommy knew a bunch of them. And yeah, it's just a small world, man. Oh, I didn't but, know uh, that. Yeah, I got all kinds of I got all kinds of kin folk and 
In Lula? Used to. I'm sure I still I do. thought Raceland was... Raceland, too? And yeah. New Orleans, yeah. Okay. My mom was from New Orleans and here and, and Luling and all that area. My dad was from yeah. Raceland. So Edgard's just River Road, or it was at the time. There's connecting roads that go to outlying highways, but at the time it was just River Road. And uh, so me and Tommy listened to all kind of crazy stuff. Growing up, we mom always had the radio on. Dad couldn't nothing about music except he had three albums that I distinctly remember: uh, Marty Robbins' Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs. Yeah, sure. That's Grady Martin. Yeah, Grady Martin. Yeah. And then uh, the other one was uh, uh, Johnny Cash's greatest hits. Round my door, yeah. the leaves are falling. And the other one was Johnny Horton's greatest hits, which which had. In eight, eight, four, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Battle of New Orleans. Yeah. So that was my dad's three albums. He probably also had a Hank Williams album because he loved Hank Williams. Mm-hmm. But my mom pointed the story in my long-winded way. She loved music. She had the radio on, and we had one of those, remember those wooden console stereos where you lift the thing up and put the record in? Oh, yeah, in? yeah, sure. I think it was either... Tommy has it, in fact. A Motorola or a Magnavox or something like that. Tommy's my right. brother, Tommy Malone from the Subdues, by the way. He's he's, he's already been on Shane's Frog Cast. <laughs> we um, talked all about you. <laughs> so um, Tommy got it working again. It sounds great. So Mom not only had music on all the time, she we, we did school plays to learn how to sing mm-hmm. harmonies and stuff like that. And uh, she also let us commandeer her dining room for about three years. We didn't eat in the dining room except for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Honestly, she let wow. us keep our gear set up. Wow. Amazing. But, uh, and point being that we were exposed to all kinds of different oh, music. Yeah. And we, we didn't, you know, I, I get in conversations with people all the time that I don't understand. I mean, Ray Charles is obviously soulful. Right. But I think George Jones is, too. Sure. Yeah. But some people don't get it. Oh, yeah. And I, I we always got it. Yeah. We oh, keep on getting it. <laughs> We've got too much. We're giving it. some away. we got so much of it. <laughs> Sixteen monkeys on a seesaw Coming up a four-day
with all of these monkeys. Wasn't a lot to do. Thank God, Mom. Where would you play. buy these records at in Edgar? Where would you? Columbia where? Record Club. Okay. Bro. Mail, Mail order. order. Yeah. Or you may have seen me with a shirt on that says "The Honey Hush, Edgar, Louisiana." Yeah, I saw that you were wearing it for a jazz fest. So yeah, I was checking. Victoria and Leroy Bailey had a a little sweet shop. They sold candy to kids to get them off hooked on sugar. And uh, but you could order forty five records from them, uh, because that CBS Columbia, I guess some mail order thing. Mom was in the record club, oh. so you know you could order albums out of there. Otherwise, we had to come into New Orleans to get yeah. stuff. Yeah, we, we, there was nothing in New Orleans except little kids making trouble. <laughs> still of course are. I just observed that I did. you still have those kids <laughs> <laughs> but it, I'm I'm really glad I had that upbringing it was a really Huck Finn existence with the river I have a connection yeah. with the river and by me I mean the Mississippi River in case you wonder yeah. uh, that will be in my blood forever we used to swim in the river every day in the summer shrimp boxes and and the old folks looked out for everybody and ratted out all the bad kids. <laughs> but very lucky to have that existence. Yeah, but man. I went through there the other day, a couple of weeks ago. My mom and dad are buried there. And just to... I, I didn't hardly recognize. I mean, it's less there <laughs> now than... Really? I don't through. think I've ever been through there. I I remember seeing something on, on Lime once where it was a... It was, it was a a big news story about Edgar got a new park bench installed. <laughs> and I sent it to Tommy and Johnny Allen. They were oh. laughing their ass. Yeah, that was a... Well, where the hell is that park bench Yeah, at? I don't know, man. We ain't got a park. Last thing you... <laughs> the whole town is a park. <laughs> uh, I got to go through there one day. Yeah. It's You know what it is, man? If you take River Road, take the Huey P, get on River Road, I'll go to Booty and then go to Luling and get on yeah. River Road. That's where Luling is. I right, just right. remembered. My brain cell kicked in, Shane. I know where that is. And then take that upriver towards Donaldsonville. Yeah. You'll see like Laura Plantation, Whitney oh, Plantation, yeah, okay. all that. Evergreen Plantation, the one with the big, cool uh, two staircases out front. Yeah. That's where our mom was born and raised, Evergreen Plantation. Wow. It's really the next little town between Edgar and Vashe, a little town called Wallace. And it is a beautiful house. Um. So a lot of those uh, plantations have been refurbished and now do tours. So it would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. But yeah. You, we need to go meet you and Tommy up there and act retarded. Oh, I can't say you that can word say anymore. It. It's my podcast. You can say it. I can say retarded? Yeah. And by that, I mean just being a big old dummy. <laughs> Which, we, how capable of that are we? Um, I'm going to have to do a lot of editing on this. Alex, so. <laughs> Although your brother, we, we had some pretty good moments on it, too. We, you know, it, the uh, I, I want to get to it eventually, but I want to talk about the uh, the Beatles thing. Oh yeah, the birthday party. It's, I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, it's still not funny. <laughs> February 9th, seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan that changed all of our lives, dude. It was like, first of all, the girls screaming that looked like a good job, <laughs> and they were doing their own songs, playing and singing them. 
And I, we just loved it immediately. We fell under that spell big time, bro. My mom actually kicked my dad out of the TV room because he's going in, turn that damn music down. Wow. And my mom kicked him out of the house. So we wow, so your mom was hip. My mom was hip, bro. So... Uh, so that 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 was that's when you something clicked in your life. I said, "This is what I want to do." I was already kind of doing it, but when I saw that you could do it like that, you know, man. Okay, Dave's pausing to take a sip of his. Uh, how do you describe that? That uh, that's a uh, red a goblet of coffee. It's huge. It's a uh, what is this? A cauldron. It is a cauldron, and it's about. Yeah, almost eight o'clock at night, and uh, <laughs> that's a gift. I can't drink coffee that late. I love it. It's really good. It's My mom used to put coffee milk in our bottles when we. Me were too, man. I grew up drinking that same shit, cafe lait every morning. Yeah, bro. I wonder why my attention span would fade after you. Know. <laughs> well, well that, you know, you're talking about the Beatles. That's that's probably a good segue into the, the I one so. of my favorite stories. Yeah. So September sixteenth, nineteen sixty four. The Beatles were playing at uh, City Park Stadium, which is still there in yep. City Park, New Orleans. And somebody, I don't even remember who it was, got me a ticket to go to that. And I couldn't go. I was not allowed to go because September 16th is also Tommy's birthday. Mm-hmm. So instead of seeing the Beatles, I'm playing pin the tail on the goddamn donkey <laughs> yeah so he so many years later tommy found a reproduction of the poster and gave it to me for my birthday and wrote in thanks for the memories <laughs> <laughs> still got it still got it yeah but so i did not get to see didn't you actually buy the tickets you had the tickets i didn't buy, oh, you didn't buy a friend of mine i don't remember who it was if it was they were probably like five dollars or something it was five dollars really i saw hendrix at city park stadium it was five dollars oh, wow. might have been 350 shane that's the only time when i was a kid that i waited backstage to shake somebody's hand with Jimi hendrix his hands were ginormous bro mm. and did you get to shake hands with i did wow. i shook his hand and then when i saw how big his hands were then i knew automatically that's why he was so good yeah because of his big hands, not because of his talent. No, it's big hands. <laughs> big hands. Yeah. That's what they say. Big hands, big feet, big talent. There you go. That's what she <laughs> said. <laughs> so, yeah, what else you got? <laughs> what else? What other story you got, bro? Hey, man, I want to know, getting back to the Radiators, the Rads, one of the greatest party bands of all time, definitely in New Orleans history, for sure. I think so. As a matter so. of fact... Paul and Oates' manager, his name's Jonathan Wolfson. His fraternity hired you guys to play. He was, he was somewhere in New York, outside of New York City. He said, man, those guys were so fun. They were partying with us. It was just unbelievable. The Radiators, he kept talking about I was like, wow, you know the Radiators? He goes, hell yeah. We hired them to play at our party. I'll be damned. I don't remember that in New York. Yeah, I mean. Not I, in the city. Not in the city, but it was uh, maybe Rye, like, you know, outside, like Ooh, Westchester, somewhere yeah. around there. Where did the term... Fish heads originate because you call the music. It's known as like fish, fish head music, music. Right. long before the band Fish. Right, not um, not Fish P. No, just Fish, fish Head. Yeah. Well, we have conflicting recollections on that. My recollection is that Ed, the piano player, and the other mm-hmm. singer in the band, yep. who wrote 
the vast majority of the songs. Mm-hmm. I wrote with him, and mm-hmm. then I wrote some myself. But he wrote way more than I did, and sang way more than I did. Um, he used to write for, might have been Wavelength. Do you remember that? No. It was like Gambit, but a weekly okay. entertainment newspaper. Or might have been monthly, like offbeat kind of. But anyway, his pen name was Zeke Fishhead. Ah. Oh. So that's why I think it started being called Fishhead music. I see. But I don't, I'm don't. i not sure all the other guys agree with me. But uh, we still call him Zeke. I mean, that's, he's oh, Ed Volker, but yeah. all the band, a lot of people call him Zeke. So it had no reference to anything that you could make sense of. But the fans latched on to it, and then all everything became a bunch of fish themes. Our yeah. first album on Epic, Epic uh, Law of the Fish, um, had a beautiful gallop on a rock of a lake or something with a big fish image, and the fish skeletons and all that. I, I, I'm not really sure. I think that's where it came from. Okay. I was reading up a little bit the other day when I knew you were coming over, and I didn't know the, some of the first the house band gig you had was at a pizza place in Gentilly. Yeah, that was, was it, not our first gig. Our first it, gig, it wasn't the first gig, but it was like your residency our first kind of regular yeah, gig. Regular gig. Wednesday nights at Luigi's on Elysian Fields near University of mm-hmm. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great. There was no stage, barely a PA. We sat up back by the ice machine. And this is what late seventies. 78. We so, got together in January 78. Me and Reggie were in one band, Reggie's bass player, Reggie Scanlon, and then Ed Volker, Zeke Fishhead, and Camille Baudouin and Frank Boa, the drummer, were in another band, and we just, Ed invited us to come jam at his garage on Waldo Drive up near the lakefront, and everybody knew immediately okay, this is something special. Because we clicked immediately. It was crazy. Uh, so he organized a jam, another jam the next weekend, and he decided he was going to, like, test us. So he had a song called Red Dressed. You know our song Red Dressed? I've heard it, yeah. And uh, he, he thought that if we could play that song, he knew his band he was in at the time could not play that song. So... He showed us a tune and asked us, 
you know, to play it. And I came up with this riff. Yeah. And that's the riff. And then built from that. And he, he knew we all knew. special things. Camille and I, the, the other guitar player, Camille Baudouin, from the first time we jammed, we would just play, not working it out, just play licks in harmony. It just worked. It that, like, that just happened. We were looking at each other like, what the hell was that? So something cosmic happened, dude. So, yeah, I think I'm related to Camille. You know, my mom... He's got people my from mom, racing. Yeah, my mom's a Baudouin. That's her maiden name. Oh, I guarantee. Yeah, my, I guarantee. You know, I think, I, think I remember talking to him about it one time. He actually looks kind of like my grandfather's side of the... Um, he might be a distant cousin or something. I mean, shit, we're all cousins. Yeah. Cousins from nowhere. His parent from Raceland is the guy that taught him guitar the first time. It's, I wonder what his name is. Because I guarantee he's related to my grandfather. Baudouin, yeah, I for sure. Going back to your your pizza uh, place gig, man, is it true somebody walked in there one time with a chainsaw? I did not somebody a yeah. drummer. Yeah, the drummer was somebody we in the band. I mean. a, we, we had a song called. <laughs> And it went, bang. me and Camille would do chainsaw stuff. Uh, and Ed had verses, but it was called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And we're playing along, we're rocking out on it. And uh, Frank kept saying, while we were playing, that he had his chainsaw out in his truck. Oh, I'm going to go get it. And we're going, yeah, yeah, go get it. <laughs> and then he said, that he said, I don't know, I'm not going to go get it. And Camille looked it over and said, you pussy. <laughs> so Frank got up from the drums while we were still playing, went out and got his chainsaw and chopped up some tables and chairs oh my God. inside of Luigi. It was crazy. And we got fired oh. for a week until they figured out the lost revenue from us not playing there. And the, and the, the exposure, man. The talk of the town. <laughs> Dude walked in with a chainsaw, cranked it up. Yeah, it was crazy. A lot of crazy things have happened. Luigi's was great, though, Shane, because our fans from day one they didn't care what we did so long as it looked like we were just trying stuff. So we that was our rehearsals, too. Luigi's was our rehearsals. We could work stuff out. And they anything we did was fine with them. It was re really great. Really one of the many, many fortunate things that happened with this band. For instance, we're talking about New York. The first time we played at the Lone Star, the old Lone Star, 13th Street and 5th Avenue, uh... We went up there, and there was a, a line around the block, and we are going, what the hell's going on? We'd never played there before. Well, we did play there once with Earl King. I'll tell you that about that later. 
well, as it turns out, without Earl King. <laughs> oh, I want to hear this. Yeah. Uh, so, he, so a line down the block, and it turns out that after a, this was a couple of years after being together, but we always allowed the kids to tape our gigs on cassette tapes, mm-hmm. and the the people that went to that were way into it. You know, fancy mics on Nakamichi or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'd go to an area. And the older siblings had gone back home, and the younger siblings would be going to Tulane, and they already knew our songs. But wherever we went to these hometowns of these Tulane kids, we already had a fan club and didn't even know it. It was really, we call it brilliantly, uh, a brilliant accident, having that. Just having tapes, that was real grassroots stuff, man. Yeah. Um so, this is a Grateful Dead type thing. Yeah, it's really, very much. Yeah, but you weren't trying. Was it? You weren't even probably conscious of that. It was just you were just. It was no. just a natural thing. Yeah. No, tape. I mean we found out later. You know, we played at the M O M Mom's Ball every the Saturday before Fat Tuesday every year. Often got asked to not come back. Because I want of, to talk about the Mom's Ball. That's a whole <laughs> other thing. Yeah. Um, but then other crews and by. People by crew, I mean K R E W E, which is a Mardi Gras organization that arranges Mardi Gras balls, Mardi Gras parties, Mardi Gras parades, and general Mardi Gras shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So, crew of dads, where I'm going next weekend, was at Minneapolis. They still do it. They kind of copied the original yeah. Mom's Ball yeah. format. And, yeah. and, and all over the country, there's like all eight or nine right. or ten. So, uh, but the radiators were like the sort of became the official band for yeah, all the models. All of, what is the all of the different crews, no matter what city it was in. Right. But it all started with Luigi's. But our first gig ever was actually at Jimmy and Jimmy and remember Jimmy and uh, not Jimmy and Jimmy Ford, the drummer? No. He my... uh had Ford's place near Tipitina somewhere. And this was I think before when Tipitina's was still a five oh one club. And that was our first gig, I think. Anyway, I forgot what the hell you asked me. <laughs> uh, well, we kind of went into mom's ball, but um, we were talking about the, the the pizza place and then how you it spread. Yeah, uh, well, for it was Luigi's Wesley Schmidt, who just passed away recently, was uh, the manager of Snug Harbor afterwards. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then those people, Alan and Deborah Langhoff of the block away had I don't know what it's called now but it used to be the Dream Palace and we were like the house band there too so we had the Dream Palace and Luigi's and then eventually Jimmy's Tipitina's Jed's uh, Maple Leaf that's about it I guess and then Tulane we played at Tulane a whole lot in fact kids used to joke about having to, freshmen had to take Radiator 101 which I thought was cute. <laughs> and thank God for it. Well, because people would graduate from Tulane and then go to wherever part of the country and start work, and they would remember the Radiators and the Neville Brothers. I would hear about this yeah. all the time. You and know. rave about how much fun yeah. it was. Yeah, and they sort of spread. You can't the- even get into trouble in that town. <laughs> it's yeah, hard. Right. <laughs> it's hard. But once you do... You know you did it right. Yeah. But the mom's ball is it? What is it? Mystic orphans and 
Misfits. Misfits. Yeah. That's the name of the, the crew, right? Yeah. And the, the Radiators began. I mean, that's still a big deal, man. The mom's that's, that's, yeah, I don't know what it is anymore. People come in from all over. It's changed. We when we did it for, God, 35 years or wow. something. And there, there's always a theme, and Ed always wrote, a song for the theme. Wow. We took it really seriously, and it was for a long time at the DAV Hall in Araby on Frisco Street, I think. And then it turned uh, over to Blaine Kern's Mardi Gras World across mm-hmm. the river. Mm-hmm. And it got so huge. And they were serious. They wouldn't let anybody, and famous or what, if they didn't look like they put an effort into trying to costume because everybody was kind of put out that costuming had kind of gone away. Mm-hmm. You know, that when I remember Mardi Gras when I was a kid, mm-hmm. everybody was dressed up like something, you know? And then it got to be just kids and T-shirts and jeans. It's lost its yeah. whatever. I segue a lot, yeah. <laughs> I see people ride down the street in costumes in the middle of the week, and it's not Mardi Gras here. <laughs> there used to be a guy dressed like Abraham Lincoln. He would be in, and I mean, I would see him all the time. And then I figured out he was a magician, but he happened to look exact. I mean, it was a he looked dead the on beard. Yeah, everything, and oh. he would be in costume and walk to the quarter from from here, from uptown. You know, jeez, that's middle of the summer. You full. need to be a magician to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's not a very wow. magical gig. So but, I keep uh, interrupting you, man. So just shut no, up. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interrupting you, but I'm I'm looking at my... I have a little cheat sheet here. All right, hit like, me, um, so to speak. Man, I just remember the first time we met now. It was at WWOZ. Mm-hmm. Leo Nocentelli had this little guitar That's the first clinic. time we met? Yeah, we, we maybe not met, but we played together. It was, it was you and I and Brian Stoltz and Leo. And Jeff from Galactic. And the guy Galactic. from Galactic, Jeff, and we, yeah. We all had the Nocentelli I just t-shirts. got rid of that T-shirt. I had that T-shirt for 20 years. I still like, got mine somewhere. I had bro. it somewhere, but it was like a, you know, XXXXL. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's the one they gave me. Oh, yeah. Well, that's fine for me, bro. I'm a big boy. Yeah, I remember you, that. You look like a male model. You all smell yeah, yeah, right. shit. Not anymore. But, uh, Savelt? Savelt. Let me look at that. Hold on a second. Let's take a break. Um, <laughs> But anyway, that's the first time we met. I remember now. Yeah. I, that was after the Neville Brothers. Well, I was during. During? Yeah, I was doing the gig. Then. We met before then, but didn't hang out. Because I met. Yeah, you I met the you Neville probably Brothers through gig, Willie sure. Green, Green. I probably went to a Monkey Ranch gig or something. He, he, oh or lord, something. at Benny's. Probably. Oh lord, I'm getting a. I'm getting Ter- a, Teresa and. and Who we? That was good band. Yeah. Anders man. Osborne. Really. Tommy was in that for a while. Reggie, Willie Green, mm-hmm. Glenn Hartman. I don't know who else. Your tapes running out, bro? No, man. We got a lot, I got a lot of tape. It comes on this little card. <laughs> I don't know how they fit all the tape in there, but magic. Man, you have some nice guitars. I do. Let's I'm talk good. about guitars for a second. You okay. Have a really nice guitar. Of course, you brought one tonight. Were you going to give me that? Is that why you brought that one? I was going to give you that, but now that I've seen this, I I could trade you, but my wife would kill me, (laughs) so then you'd get this back anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No, my wife gave me that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's an early 90s Gretsch White Falcon with the wide body. 
I keep banging my watch on here, but I promise you I'm not messing it up. Okay. It's it's not a metal watch anyway. Yeah, it's a big giant. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a Gretsch White Falcon. I, uh, being the Beetle maniac that I am, I have a 63 Country Gentleman. I had a 63 Tennessean till two weeks ago when I gave it to Tommy for his birthday. Wow. Because, yeah, he... Um, that was his first. My first band in New Orleans was called Dust Wolfie, and the other guitar player, John Hidalgo, who also played pedal steel, that Gretsch Tennessean was his, and Tommy bought it from him. And I don't know what happened to that thing. Tommy, it got gone at oh. some point. He's been regretting, you know, guitar regret. So I gave him my '63, just like George Harrison's. And then I've got a Gretsch Duo Jet. I've got a... Got some nice strats. Yeah, I have five or six strats. I don't have old ones anymore because I really like the early 80s when they first started doing the reissues of the 57 Maple Neck and the 62 uh, Rosewood Neck. They're, they're, you can't make a better guitar. Yeah. So, well, I mean, people would argue that. That, like that. Well, he that's our, our dear friend. I, we should take a second since we're talking about guitar. That's that's one of my Melanson's and Gerard, who was a dear friend of mine, man. I'm so still bummed out about he died a couple, not even a week ago. Yeah, and he I was heard. a friend of yours and Tommy. Yeah, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. I had a Melanson telly, but it was just a standard mm-hmm. two pickup telly type thing. One of the guitars that got stolen when the Rad's equipment truck got stolen, I never got it back. Mm. And Tommy had a Melanson. I don't know if he still does, but let me tell you something, people. His guitar is Gerard Melanson, and that's spelled M-E-L-A-N-C-O-N. Yep. Fantastic guitar. John Oates just bought one. Oh, really? I, I introduced him to Gerard. So John Oates bought one, and Jim and my friend John Harrington from Steely Dan got one. He, it's his main guitar now. And no Oates, kidding. Oates, the one Oates got is like, man, Gerard, when Gerard, he was at the top of his game, man. I mean, yeah. his guitars he was building now were just unbelievable. Really? So it's a shame. I mean, and I look them up online, and I mean, they hold their value. They're 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 not cheap instruments. But wow. He, he could have been. Did you ever go out to his shop in Thibodeau? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a little cinder block shop. Yeah. It was not. It was. I mean, it's a little town, and he could have been really big, like Paul Reed Smith or something. Yeah. He didn't want to do it. You know, he was a real. He he just wanted to keep it really small, and he didn't want to. You know, he was a. He was a but know. he took the the craft and the care, and you know, tweaking every little thing till it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. his guitars are. I always said, you know, I like playing because I, I get people approach me a lot, want me to play their guitars, and I, I, I always like Gerard's guitars. Not only are they great instruments, you know, they're obviously they're great guitars. Beautiful. There, too. there are a lot of great guitars out there, but that one, it's like. It's like holding a piece of home in your hand. You know, Absolutely. when you're on tour, you're like, you know, it's my, I could drive out there to him 
an hour to, away from here and have him adjust up and hang out and shoot the shit and have lunch. And now he's gone. Man. Oh, that's a, that's a drag. But, uh, Plus his finishes are really And he was cool. very well respected, man. I would be at the shop, you know, and he was he was buddies with Sadowski and, you know, John Sir and PRS. I mean, all the big time people. He, he was buddies with him. He, and he was a respected guy, you know. He was a, he was a really... Anyway. I'm, I'm really kind of bummed at myself for not staying in touch with him. I just, just you know, yeah, things go way out of your sure. yeah, yeah. immediate, you know, cycle. Well, you're still on his website. Oh, good. Intel, that man. green, that dark green telly he made for me with the ivory trim. Well, if anybody ever sees that. Well, yeah. That I, was I, stolen out of, with I, probably I, a lot of stuff. I, that, I thought the, that kind of thing would turn up. I mean, I have the serial number somewhere still. Well, I can if you want to give it to me later. I, I, I do, do a link on. I do like a little page, like with the. Bio. Oh, I will give you. I got we'll, the sheet of all my there. stolen I'll stuff because I had a couple of the first two Buddha amps oh. when Jeff Bober was making everything before they farmed stuff out or whatever, uh, and they sounded so damn good. And I played a few later, and they sounded okay, but it. Not like the first one. Didn't seem to have the same mojo. Maybe I'm kidding myself, but it doesn't matter if you're kidding yourself. What you think is right is right. Sure. But, uh, yeah, Gerard, R.I.P., buddy. Yeah. So I, uh, this thing with me and guitars started in 1968. And I just, I've been very careful about it because I... I don't want to spend an arm and a leg on something, and I don't want something that's so perfect that you don't want to play it. I, I don't like that. I, I mean, I, I get it. I get, you know, if, if it's for collecting, hanging on the wall because it's an investment, I get it. Right. But I'd rather play the damn thing. So in 1968, the rhythm guitar player in my band in Edgard called The Family Dog, uh, the rhythm guitar player, Tim Pater, was going to school at Dal Sal here in town. And I had a duo sonic. It couldn't understand why it didn't sound like Hendrix. And it's those, remember those crappy little molded pickups? I don't. Do you remember Fender duo sonic, three no. quarter size? I, I don't. I mean, was I, it don't like, get a, me wrong. like a Mustang? Kind of like a Mustang or something? Yeah. Okay. A step down from a Mustang. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. Anyway, Tim Pato found in the uh, Juan ads of the sometimes Picayune. <laughs> Uh, I, we'll explain that later. Uh, a lady was selling a Fender Telecaster guitar, hundred bucks, and Tim called her, and I didn't even see it. He called me up and said, well, "What do you think?" I said, "We'll go check it out. If it looks good, we should get it." Because he wanted me to have a better guitar, and I definitely wanted me to have a better guitar. <laughs> uh, and he checked it out, and he said it seemed. I mean, he wasn't knowledgeable about guitar none of us were we didn't know anything about stuff this wasn't a vintage guitar then this was just a so this was 1968 so it was a 12 year old telecaster it was kind of beat up he talked it down from 100 bucks i got it for 80 dollars. wow and i still have it that's my main telly wow. 56 telecaster oh man you can rarely find a 56 telecaster for 80 bucks anymore <laughs> rarely shane i've never heard of it <laughs> So I still have that one. That one stays home. And then I just started 
you know, looking for stuff and buying something at good price, going on eBay at 2 a.m. and, yeah. you know, asking all a million questions and looking at the pictures carefully and offering way below what they wanted. If I got it, fine. If I didn't, I didn't lose none. Mm-hmm. If I got it and I loved it, I kept it. If I got it and I just kind of liked it, I sold it for a profit. So it became that. So now I have about 40 guitars. That wow. I love every one of them, you know. It's a nice collection. Man. Yeah. Well, I gave Tommy one, so I guess I got 39. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got I got cool stuff. I have a 61 Gibson Birdland. I have a 61 Cherry Red ES330. I have a 61 Epiphone Casino with the big headstock. Mm. That just sings. I have a 1926 Martin 0018, which, am I rambling on too much? No, I didn't. The story behind that one was we were going out on tour and we were going out to meet up with the tour bus. And my wife, Beth, at the time told me that not come, don't come home with any more guitars. Not because she didn't understand why I loved them so much, but we just were. Didn't have room for them. And she was right. So I said, okay, I, I, I don't think I said I promise because, or maybe I had my fingers crossed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we went on our tour. We're up somewhere in Maine or Vermont or somewhere up there. And it just so happened that right next door to the, probably a Holiday Inn or something, was a, a little pawn store slash music shop. And I walked, I always go in those places. It don't do you no good no more because no, everybody knows no, what everything's worth now. Yeah. So I walked in and I'm looking around and I see this little Martin and it's you could tell it's had some like this kind of thing going yeah. on, but it yeah. had been cleated mm-hmm. with wooden cleats, uh, fixed reasonably well. And the guy recognized me oddly enough, wherever the hell we were. And uh, I said, "Can I see that Martin?" And I I didn't know that the they had such a V-neck. You ever played mm-hmm. a 20s Martin? I don't have a 20s, but I have a 50s one. It has kind of a V-neck. This is a real V. v. Yeah. And so I picked it up and I just went, only it was like 10 times louder and ringing. I went, holy shit. And I played it for a while and it played flat. Um, had the, uh, the frets that are, what are they called? The flat, the ones that are pounded in. Okay. The... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I had to send it back to Martin and Clarence, the last guy at Fender, still working on those bar frets, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Somebody out there right now is screaming, this, yeah. how can you not know that? How can you not know that? You well, host a podcast. I used to know that. My memory well, went south. It. So I played this thing and I was like, oh my God. So I, I, I told the guy to hang on. I ran back to the hotel and got Reggie. Because he and I hung around all the time because just we did. And I said, dude, come with me. You got to hear this little acoustic guitar. It's, and I Because I can't listen to it while I'm playing it. But, but I wanted to know what he thought. And I just played a run and a couple of chords and stuff. And he went, holy cow. And he just said it was the best sound acoustic he'd ever heard. And mm. he's probably bullshitting. But it really rich and everything balanced. So the it was on consignment, and the guy wanted some amount for it. And I ordered, offered. I said, "Look, we're staying at the hotel next door. If I, I'll offer this, because that's what I was going to do. I wasn't going to pay for. it. I didn't need it. Right. I wanted it, but right. I didn't need it. 
And it had the old brown fake alligator chipboard case, which oh, I yeah. still have. Yeah. And uh, offered an amount that I don't recall right now. I think it was eight hundred. Eighty dollars? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's always I think a magic it was 800, <laughs> But uh, which was a lot less than he was asking for. And uh, I don't even know if I should be saying this over the air. Um, who cares? It's, this was twenty years ago. I don't think they. Yeah. Um, and the guy called me at the hotel and said the guy needed the money. Come get it. So I did. Got it back on into the hotel, and I'm playing it in the room. Reggie says, so what are you going to tell Beth? <laughs> I went, oh, shit. So I called her up, and I said, babe, I got you a present. Oh, a bowling ball. A guitar. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't tell her what it was. So she still calls that Martin her guitar. Oh. So that's my oldest guitar, 1926 Martin. Man. I have that's a 19... Story. I like 60, 61, and 62 Gibsons for some reason. I don't know why. I, something about them. They just always feel right to mm -hmm. me. I have a 61 J50. I have a 65 J160E. I have a 65 Hofner Beetle Bass. Wow. I have a early 60s Vox AC10 amp, Vox AC50. Why don't you tell everybody where you keep this stuff? Okay, the combination to the... <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's a serious collection. Man. Oh, yeah, I, I ain't even started yet, but I'm running out of steam here. <laughs> no, I got cool stuff, but I, I really, I love them all. I got yeah. three pickup white SG. I remember that SG. I got you, a, you let me take it home last year. Yeah, I got a two pickup cherry SG. I just think those are really beautiful, and they're cool. Yeah. Got a couple of handmade guitars this guy made for me, Trip Tienemann. I'll... I'll chambered sort of Les Paul with uh, I think Lawler pickups and he made me a gold metal flake Buck Owens telly that wow. just sounds phenomenal and way uh, way more that I can't remember anyway yeah. I went off on that no, I, wow that's you gotta come to the country bro I need see to. my stuff I got like five tweed amps I got three or four brown fender amps wow I got the brown Fender Vibolux that I was playing when the Rads got together. Wow. Still got it. I should have went out to you and done, done this interview. Yeah, we should have. Let's just start over. I'll and it's only this. three steps up to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got to keep this shit like a fortress out here, you know? Dude, ain't nobody ripping off your shit, that's for sure. No. Can you say shit on this podcast? Yeah, you can. Can you? What else can you say? You can say anything you want, dude. <laughs> All right. All right, I'm going to let you be. You, 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 you have to be the voice of reason, Shane. No, I'm, I'm the wrong person for that. <laughs> as much as I want to clown, because I know we could... I'm, I'm honestly, sincerely interested in asking you some serious questions, which I never do okay. until we get together. Right. I want to ask you about... Um, you don't have to talk about it a lot, but I know you were around, man, during the warehouse. The warehouse yeah. was a club, a stone's throw from here. It was Felicity and Chapatulas. Yeah, well, more than a stone's throw from here, but uh, two stones. Yeah, but man, what's what's some of the coolest bands you saw at the warehouse? I'm just being you know like what a, things that I didn't think were gonna knock me on my butt. Poco was great. 
You know, I, this is crazy to admit, but I never saw the Allman Brothers there. And they and played they there a million like times. New, I just New never Year's, went. New Year's, they were like the house band for days, More than right? that, though. Yeah. They played there all the, all time, the time, and I never went. I was like... Well, I was broke all the time too. Even though it was like only two fifty to get in or something, but weird stuff like Procol Harum blew me away. I didn't expect to love them so much. Um, I mean, ZZ Top recorded the the live part of Fandango. Yeah. I talked to Billy Gibbons about it. You know, you remember hanging in the rafters with Dwayne Allman, smoking yeah. weed and crazy shit. And I, I just, man, that was before. Wait, my do time. you miss that? Yeah, that was before my time. But, oh, yeah. But I heard about My uncle used to go there. He told me all kinds of crazy stories. They it was funky, They'd give you a funky, scrap bro. of carpet, and that was your seat and your ticket to get yeah. in. When I drive by there, I, I can't imagine the history that is on that empty lot now since they, they tore the building. Up. I don't know why they did that. I heard the bricks, part, some of the bricks are in the, um, what's the uh, what's the bar on magazine down by uh, Le in the back bar. The oh, bricks yeah? on the floor are from the warehouse. Oh, wow. I'll be, I went there a lot, and I was in altered states most of the time. That's mm-hmm. all I'll say about that. Yeah. But, I mean, I saw so many good things. I I, I can't remember, dude. But <laughs> Beautiful. Like, 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 just for people listening, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because this is your thing. But I, I just know that, uh, what was it, um, Black Sabbath played there with Ozzy. Yeah. I mean, The Doors did their last concert last there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's where Grateful Dead got busted the next day. That's they, they right. They played there in the truck and busted it in New Orleans. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of stuff like whatever you, I guess, blues rock, British blues rock, Humble Pie and Fleetwood Wishbone Mac, The original Fleetwood Mac with Peter yeah, Green. Yeah, with Peter Green, yeah. which I also didn't right. see. I, I, I missed a lot of good opportunities. Just because we were, we had, you know, we had a lot of birthday, you had a lot of birthday parties. Yeah, right. (laughs) No, we were just in the basement making music. We didn't go out a whole lot. Nobody had a lot of money, and I I went as often as I could. I was just curious. I don't remember this carpet getting you in free thing, though. No, it wasn't free. You'd pay, and they gave you a scrap of carpet, and that showed that you had paid. And then you would sit down on the on the dirt or whatever it was. God, I don't remember that either. He said, my uncle said he saw Elton John there once, and uh, and Elton John came out, and it was you know hot as shit, whatever New Orleans pouring out, raining, roof leaking. He was literally an empty warehouse. Yeah, and. And uh, Elton John came out, and he was just furious, you know. And then water was, like, dripping on the piano. And he stood up, he goes, <laughs> he, he not only didn't he play, but he goes, I will never perform in this town again. And it took years, not until the 2000s, did he play at the arena. Oh, I never heard yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. It was nasty, man. It was nasty. People were burning joints everywhere yeah. and doing God knows what, drinking Boone's Farm and vomiting. And his yeah, old, they had little dudes where when you'd go to park, they'd ask you for a couple of bucks to watch your car. Well, if you didn't give them a couple of bucks, something was was going to happen to your car. Wow. But, yeah, it, it, that's partly why I didn't go there because it was yeah, a terrible exactly. neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, I'd been warned, you know, I'm from Edgard. What the hell right. do I know? I was real freaked out about bad, dangerous neighborhoods because I hadn't been around that kind right. of shit. But I missed out on a lot. That was that Beaver Productions. Mm. Uh, 
that was a very important thing for music in New Orleans, big time. They made a, a documentary about the warehouse, and what was the guy's name? Bill Johnson. I got yeah. to meet him a few times. Unfortunately, he passed away a while back. But they made a documentary about it. It's really good. They couldn't use the real music because of licensing. It cost a fortune, so they had to replicate some of the music for the documentary. You know, of all the famous. Who bands. owns the recordings? I mean, they couldn't afford to pay the oh. original artists to use some of the. You know, I'm surprised most of them didn't just let them do it. Cause you they, were like they were only going to use like 20 seconds anyway. Yeah, I know. If I didn't know better, I'd swear some people are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> You want to play something else, man? Then I'll probably, you probably have enough. I'll let you get out of here. Well, finish asking your questions. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to, want to be the only dud on your podcast, bro. Dude, it's, what are you talking about? This is a winner already. I'm going to have to do minimal editing to this. All right, Believe let's me. play uh, a... The dud on the podcast shit. A sort of a... Dude on the podcast. Smug Dave Malone style. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I always wanted to. Oh yeah.
Got anything good? Uh, yeah, I got a lot of good stuff. Okay. Let me press record and we'll do it for real. Now. Yeah, let's go. Let's no. go ahead and put one down. <laughs> no, man, I got great stuff. Thank you. This thing, the more you play it, the more it's, it's likey like. Uh, man, one more thing I forgot to ask you about. Tell me about the last waltz tour. Well, uh, in, uh, in 2017. Because you're about to go out again. I'm going okay. out on the on the third, on the first, uh, no, third, um, to go up to Port Chester to rehearse in the, the uh, it's a theater up there, right? Yeah, Port Chester. went blank on yeah, it. Yeah, that's, uh, the, uh, shit, what's it called? I don't remember. In, uh, the Capitol? The Capitol Theater. Capitol Theater in Port Chester. Um, in 2017, we did during Jazz Fest, a, a last waltz thing. Don was and Warren Haynes are the band leaders, and uh, Jamie Johnson. Uh, so Warren and Jamie sing most things. Uh, John Medexty on keyboards, Terrence Higgins on bass, Bob Margolin from the original Last Waltz, mm. myself, Cyril Neville, uh, Mark Mullins and the Levy Horns. Oh, nice. You know Mark? Sure. So it's Mark and uh, I just went blank on people's names. It's so terrible. Um, Bobby Campo from... Oh, Bobby's out? Yeah, I know Bobby. On trumpet. trumpet yeah. Wade, somebody, Smith on sax. They're the Levy Horns. But now, so we did it during Jazz Fest and then so we did a whole tour all over the mm -hmm. whole country. And we added Garth Hudson, which was wow. phenomenal. Wow. Taj Mahal. Uh, and, oh, Michael McDonald, who's just oh, like wow. ridiculous. I mean, you're just talking to him. He just sounds like, hey, you're talking yeah. stuff. And, and then he opens his mouth and that voice comes out. Yeah. It's like, holy nice shit. Guy, right? really, nice really sweet guy, yeah. You take this before I steal it. Because I love that son of a bitch. That's my 50, he's playing my 52 Gibson J45, which I love this guitar too, man. It's really great. What is that on there, 12s? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool, man. You're going out with them again. Um, yeah, I'm doing that. We're doing 14 shows in November, I think. Ended up in Nashville where there will also be Robbie Robertson, which he's never done one of these. Wow, that's epic, man. Yeah, Emmy Lou Harris, Vince Gill, who's wow. a monster, and other people that I'm Wow, that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, dude. You know, I, I ju I'm just featured on like three or four songs and sing harmonies on some other stuff, but it's just such a good band. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like... It's crazy. Don was on bass, of course. Yeah. And, well, when we did it before, Mac was still around, so Dr. That. John was on it, too. I remember that. And uh, who am I forgetting? 
Jimmy Vivino came out for a few. Dave, thank you, bro, for coming over and spending your uh, Thursday night with me. And Wait, it's Thursday? <laughs> oh, shit, I can't be here. Well, you're here now. I got I got an hour and 25 minutes of you on here. Am I still here right now? I'm still here right now. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah this was fun, man. Yeah. I, am I supposed to say anything? No, I was just going to say thank you. Thanks for having me, Shane. Yeah. Being had by you has been one of the highlights <laughs> of my life. <laughs> and thanks really really from the bottom of, of my heart or somewhere <laughs> south thanks for that 52 gibson you're welcome bro. i figure you hey because i'm a 52 model myself bro you might be time to re-glue your braces i definitely after 50 years you know when my birthday is huh no. the day katrina ate new orleans august 29th Are you serious? that's my birthday buddy aren't i lucky I am very lucky, very fortunate. Anyway, let me get my ass out of You're here. You're still here, bro. You still got coffee left, too. All right. All right. Thanks, Dave. No, man. You ain't got to thank me. I love it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.